0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled dot lcom slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: Bring out your co-pays. Bring out your insurance cards. The doc is in. Dr. Roto joins me right now in the Roto-Wire podcast. We're going to talk some Phillies. We're going to talk about some uh, Marlins. And we'll talk about his path in this industry and that and a whole lot more on the RotoWire podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome to the RotoWire Fantasy Baseball podcast. I am Jeff Erickson, and today my guest is none other than the great Dr. Roto. Uh, we've been doing a lot of fa- uh, like a lot of uh, radio at the same time on the same channel for a long time. We haven't done a whole lot together though over the years. Maybe every once in a while on an expert league draft, but I think maybe we simulcast one time or two. So finally, I get them on the RotoWire podcast. Doc, great to have you in. How are you?
2: I'm great, but it's so funny you said that. I think for a while I was the show before you for how many years?
1: Yeah, uh, at least three or four. I know you were with Scott Angle for a while. Uh, and then you I did my own thing. Yep, you did your own thing. You were with Tommy G for a while. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. there's a lot of different paths and here we are and you're still doing work uh, on serious XM, XM Fantasy. You've got your own site now, DrRoto.com. Been doing that for a couple of years. How's that going?
2: It's going great. You know, um, I think and you know this as well as anybody. In the industry, there are a lot of people that you work with And then during COVID, when I lost my position, I decided how to figure out what the next, what the next step was. And, you know, Jeff, I just wanted to work with friends and people I trusted and people I liked and had this idea to just do drodo.com, And, you know, we give back charity to um, because it's important. We give to others and. We're doing I'm doing things on the site that like I'm giving tools and stuff that I use. Right. If I figure I use them and I win with them, I want to be able to give that to others. So it's been really exciting. And I've been very happy with. it.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, we're in one league together. We don't play in tout together. You're in a different tout league than I'm in. Uh, but we are in labor mixed, one of the first expert leagues every year. We draft mid-August. I mean, mid February. God, my, where's my brain today? Uh, mid uh, February. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a fun league. I think you and I combined have like half the league on the IL. So uh, <laughs> it's trying to get through that. Uh, it, I've got 10 guys on the IL right now and two more that are doubtful, or at least we're at parts of the week. Kyle Tucker returned. Cody Bellinger just returned. But, you know what? That's part of the game, too. Uh, it, it's, it's a fun battle. But uh, I, I, I love rotisserie style the most still for fantasy baseball. And this is the first one every year. And it's a it's a good little way to get started for the year.
2: It's my most frustrating league that I'm in, honestly, yeah. for years. I, I think I've either been in the middle or the bottom in labor since I've been in. And to me, look, I take pride in winning leagues. Right. But I think and I don't want to blame anybody. I'm certainly not blaming the rules or anything. And I know why we draft early, but drafting early here actually hurts me, I feel, sometimes because I'm just I get sharper the, the more it goes. So by the time it gets to like mid-March, end of March, I am Laser beam focused, so I always feel like I do better in FSGA than I do in labor, uh, certainly in NFBC. But hey, I'm not crying over spilt milk, one year I'll get it, maybe it's not right. this year. But my team is we're hovering right, I'm in the 80s or something like that, so it's not undoable, but it's not
0: great,
1: yeah. And I, I find sometimes you get bargains that you wouldn't have otherwise got in February. But you also, I mean, you're, you're steering in a risk. There's a year that uh, I, I drafted Emilio Pagan as the Rays' closer. That night, right afterward, he got traded to the pod, uh, to the Padres, and he didn't close Great. for them. Great. You know, I, I I get that every once in a while, and you know, you you, you get the good stuff and you get the bad stuff. Then one thing I like later in draft season, I know who my targets are in mid to late rounds a lot better. Uh, I know, and I know where I'm going to get them. Now, of course, that sometimes changes too. Like. I have a lot of Eric Lauer this year. I didn't get him in this league because Fred beat me to him, but uh, Fred Zinke did. But at the same time, often I have like I have my guys by March, by February, mm, I do and I don't. I've done the projections, I've done the rankings, but it's the first time you really battle test them. You really, you know, maybe aside from a draft and hold league, it's it's a lot different. So I, I find that that experience uh, challenging sometimes. It's fresh powder.
2: I, yeah, I couldn't agree anymore. So I mean, I'll just use football for an example. By the time we get to Las Vegas around Labor Day, mm-hmm. I can pretty much pinpoint almost every player and where they're going to go. So unless somebody's jumping up at a round or two or doing something crazy, if you sit next to me at a draft, I'll go, this guy. I'll name the guy and within a pick or two, he'll go in that spot. Right. I feel that way in baseball, the closer we get to the start of the season. But like you said, in February, yes, you can get good values. and But at the same time, the guy that I think is going to be great all of a sudden isn't. And then maybe I just would have reconciled I would have constructed my team maybe differently had I had that extra month. So look, it's a challenge. I always do a, um, a draft champions really early, like after the new year, just so I understand the player pool Same better. Here. Yeah, me too. It's like, the, I mean, it's $150 that I usually just spend on figuring out who the players are and where they're going to start going, but it's about refining it, right? It's about refining it over those next few months.
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, and I do that. And Sometimes that, that I've done really well with that. Sometimes it's just lighting that $50 bill or a $350 bills on fire too, uh, a little both. In fact, I did the NFPC 50s this year. I was doing some 12s before the 15s and I have one that's in first and one that's like dead, dead last, like deader than dead last. I mean, it, it's like, like 35 points at last
2: and it's like, ah. Uh, I know but this sounds no, terrible because honestly with my draft champions, sometimes, and, and I, I hate to admit this, I barely even pay attention during the season because what I really did was it was for me to help me get ready for the season. Once mm. I'm there, you know, I will put a team in cause I never want to like not compete, but I'm not really doing anything more than just putting active guys in. And I'm not worrying about coming in first or last because it's really more about just prep for me.
1: Getting the reps in, you know, it's funny as uh, this year in particular was really difficult with the lockout too. If you did an early draft, there's so many significant players that are unsigned. I mean, it's mixed, mixed labor, the, the actual labor weekend, the lockout was still ongoing. I mean, you're doing AL and NL auctions blind, basically, in terms. And, and we had massive movement, too.
2: It was brutal. And I don't know if you listen to my show on the weekends. If you don't, it's okay because I'm on pretty early for you. Yeah, it's 4 a.m. Um, my time. Sorry. <laughs> on demand. Yes. That's yeah, on I'm demand. on a 9 to 11 this season. But John yeah. Moscott, the former Reds, he's on my show, he comes on every week. And, you know, he mentioned that um, this was going to be a problem with the lockout, that it was going to take pitchers longer. And, you know, I was like, well, maybe, you know, in the past, a lot of these guys are playing golf anyway. You know, they only throw a few innings, but he couldn't have been any more right. I mean, I think the baseball has been pretty poor to be quite honest with you. Mm -hmm. I think the major league baseball did this to themselves. And I think that it's really affected our fantasy season. Yeah,
1: I, I absolutely agree. And, you know, they, they were more concerned with not changing the postseason schedule than main tra- maintaining the quality of the product on the field early on, not right. to mention the quality of the product, but also the health of the very own players that, you know, and it, it's one of the many layers that I get angry about when I start thinking about the lockout and thinking about who cares about the game. You know, Jeff, we
2: both have kids and, you know, my son is a big sports fan, as you might imagine, but he uh-huh. loves basketball and he loves football. Baseball, we go to, I mean, look, we live in Southwest Florida. I live literally right by the Red Sox and the Twins. We go once a year to spring training. And that's not because I don't like baseball, but I think that kids today aren't happy with the game. And I think they need to do things. And I think that lockouts and stuff like that, kids don't understand that. They understand, are they playing baseball or not? Spring training was literally two weeks this year. We never even made it to spring training. So what does that tell you? My 15-year-old son doesn't even want to go and we live a mile from JetBlue Park. Yeah. And that's a nice park too. Beautiful. It's probably the best one down here. It's gorgeous. Yeah.
1: yeah. That, that is, that's a shame and it's frustrating. Uh, I, yeah. Uh, yeah. The more I think about that lockout, the more I get angry about it. And especially because I'm a Reds fan. So this whole lockout, one of the things, the whole things on the player side is we're sick and tired of seeing these teams just tear it down and not even try to compete. And once you know it, the day after lockout ends, there goes Sonny Gray. There goes Jesse Winker. There goes Suarez. So we got to get this. That's We got to trade the contract off. Sonny Gray wasn't even expensive. That was the thing that was frustrating as all get up.
2: Uh, too. And, you know, it's almost like when they just start. To, it's to the, the A's are not dissimilar, That when the guy gets good, they're out of there anyway. So it's so hard. I don't want to say I pity you for being a Reds fan because I get it when we were kids. The big red machine was great. I mean, yep. George Foster and Ken Griffey and Dave Concepcion. I mean, t- who didn't want to be a Reds fan back then? But right. now you sit there and you're like what, I'm going to get a couple of good years and then the guy's going to be off to somewhere else? It's just hard. And I think my biggest problem with baseball has been the haves and the have-nots. You know, whether you like football or not, I know you're a Bengals fan. Look at that. You went to the Super Bowl last year. right? Exactly. How cool is that? that yeah. And every year it could be somebody else. Or in baseball, is there any doubt in our minds that the Dodgers and Yankees are going to be in those last four teams? Not mine. Yeah, well, I think it's more a
1: will and will not. Is the fun? The thing is, I mean, you see, it, you know, the Rays consistently put out a good product every single year. You see uh, other franchises that you know, St. Louis is not a big market, um, but they're not they're not really crying poverty, at least not to the extent that some of these other teams are. I don't know. It's just it's aggravating, Um, and I it, it, there's so much about it that gets frustrating about that.
2: But the Rays are geniuses. The Rays know how to go. When they made that trade, Austin met met for Isaac Paredes, right? Yeah. And you're like, who's Isaac Paredes? And all of a sudden he comes up in the first week he's hitting two home runs. I I wasn't shocked. That's what the Rays do. They find guys that nobody knows. And then they come and they actually perform. Paredes wasn't a bad player. Just didn't play well when he had the opportunity before.
1: And even when they lose a trade like Willie Adamas, you you know, well, at least Willie Adamas went somewhere and got better and, you know, really helped the Brewers. I mean, Drew Rasmussen, Rasmussen is not a bad pitcher. He's a pretty good He's pitcher. Good. Fire Eisen's a good pitcher, a really good pitcher. I mean, they right. did fine in that deal. I mean, and they had Wander Franco coming up. Now, Wander Franco shut down with the quad injury. little bit of struggles so far this year. Saw so, little sophomore jinx. Uh, you get to see them down there. You know, you get to see uh, a lot of the Florida teams a little bit more. What's your take on Wander Franco so far this year? Oh, I mean, what is there
2: not to like about Wanda Franco? And
3: mm-hmm. I think
2: what they do, the Rays are almost annoying because they don't bring up their guys until they're absolutely, we would say they're over ready, right? Other teams would bring them up. The Rays don't do that. Like Brujon didn't everybody think this guy would have been up last year? They wait and they're patient and it works because when they come up, they're producers, right? Yeah. Maybe not Josh Lowe, but for the most part, these guys produce. So they do, they have a great eye for talent yeah. and they know how to coach these guys up. And look at this. Could you imagine Tampa, a small market club, competing with the Yankees, Toronto, and and Boston? And this every year, made every play- year oh, yeah. too, not just yeah.
1: like a one off or a two off, but every single year they're good. And every year they're like you know their their uh, win total, uh, their projected win total is un- it's a good bet to bet the over every single year. It's it's impressive how well they won again today. Beat the Rangers three to one. Brujon actually uh, who has struggled since the call up. Uh, came through today, had the RBI double, you know, and, you know, they, they got like Corey Kluber, he's pitching good ball right now. Uh, they, they've got uh, Jeffrey Springs. Jeffrey Springs is an interesting guy. I picked him up in our league in labor. Uh, and the question was, can he go deep in the games? And he's gotten a little better, a little better, a little better, pitched very well against the Yankees last week, got in a losing effort uh, when I think it was a tie on that just pitched a gem, but you know, he's another little fine came from the Red Sox for, got
2: him for nothing. Right. And you know what? I, I think that that's what the Rays do. Brooks Raley. Who's Brooks Raley? A friend of mine in the offseason says, go draft Brooks Raley in the last round of every draft. I said, why would I do that? He goes, the Rays gave him $10 million for two years. And they go, the Rays don't pay anybody for two years. Sure enough, the first day of the season, who gets a save? Brooks Raley. Right. It's crazy. What I like about Springs and what I like about the Rays is that the Springs may only pitch six innings, but the Rays have a really deep bullpen. So you yep. actually might get some wins from this guy. And, it, you know, by pitching six innings, maybe no more than 90 pitches, you know, he'll be effective in that. So they've learned how to do that. Ryan Yarborough, does he ever go more than four and two thirds, right? They know their guys. They know how far, how deep they can go. And they watch them carefully. Yep. And, you know, they got criticized
1: for the decision on Blake Snell in the World Series. And they people might have been right about that for what it's worth. Uh, World think- Series, you might as well just pitch him, right? I, that's what I think. I, I think there's a time and place. I mean, they have a formula that works very well for a long season. But the the, the problem, too, with their formula was that, you know, one of the equa- parts of the equation had changed in Nick Anderson. He was burnt. You could tell. Uh, and, you know, hasn't been the same since, unfortunately. And that's one of the downsides to that strategy. That you do tend to wear out relievers. You look at that uh, their depth chart. It's a sea of red uh, when in their bullpen a little bit there. And they have guys out and they, they just kind of keep churning.
2: It's hard. Look, I, I don't even know. I, I would think as a manager, a six-man rotation makes sense, especially if I know that my team is going to be there later on. Because you're going to burn some of these guys out. They're pitching yep. so well early. What happens later? Are they gonna? How about Nestor Cortez? I think that's a great conversation piece. Oh yeah, he's amazing. You know, if the Yankees are in the World Series, is Nestor what is he doing? Is he pitching two innings in, in the playoffs, or is he going to be one of their top starters? How many innings did the guy pitch last year? You think he's going to go 180 this year? Seems to be a little aggressive for me.
1: Yeah, maybe so, but I mean, he just keeps getting better. I don't know. The funny thing is, the Mariners had him, the Orioles had him, the Yankees had him, and they gave him away. And then he came back, and all of a sudden, he's it's a different pitcher. It's, he's it's, Cy young, right? He's not yeah. good. He's been the I mean, best he's their pitcher. number two starter right now. Yeah, uh, he's I mean, although I mean, the thing the the, the 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 little secret is, the Yankees. We always think about okay, great lineup, great hitters. It's their run prevention that's made them so amazing this year. You know, Nasty Nestor uh, shut down the Angels in the first game of the doubleheader today. He's been amazing every single time out. Uh, keeping with the Rays real quick, we got a couple of questions from Frank. Uh, Shane Boss related. What happens to Springs and what happens wh- when do we get Shane Boz back? Uh, good questions, both on those. Uh, what's your take on what happens to Jeffrey Springs? What do you think out of Shane Boss when he eventually is ready?
2: I was all in on Shane Boz before the season. He was a Mm -hmm. guy that I was targeting literally in every draft. So, I mean, I'm not going to give up on him now. I think the interesting thing about Springs is that I think they can move him to the bullpen. He could be their long guy, but he has pitched great. You know, the Rays will figure out that just so fungible, all those guys, they can throw four innings here, a starter there, Springs comes in. So I hate to use the wait and see, but I think we have to wait and see. But I think Boz goes right in that rotation. He's special. McClanahan and Boz as your top two is really good.
1: Yeah, McClanahan. Oh my God, he's appointment television. I just I love watching him pitch. I love the movement on his pitches. I'm left-handed, so I love seeing a fireball lefty because I was a uh, slow tossing lefty. But uh, anyway, you know, you're a lefty. Look at that. I am. That's it. it helped me in my tennis life. It still does. But uh, <laughs> and ping pong. I'm sure you've got angles too, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's and seeing that. Yeah, it's it's useful and helpful in baseball too. As it turns out, that's why you see Tony Fosse stay in the league forever. Uh, that's why you see that. That's the prototypical. Soft toss and lefty that has a 20 year career. It's amazing. Uh, Boz did look good before the injury. I, I I, draft him in TGFBI, but with lack of IL spots, I cut him. Once they put him on the 60 man, just can't keep a guy that long.
2: No, it's 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 tough. I think. Look, but I'm commit. The Rays will bring him up when he's ready to be to be to succeed. Right? They won't yep. even. They don't need to rush him. Right? It's not like other teams. They can keep him down there another three weeks if they don't feel he's ready.
1: Yep, that's absolutely right, um, especially with the extra playoff spots. I think that, that gives them a little added uh, reason to be cautious with that. Uh, before I move on, uh, we, this podcast is always hosted on the Blue Wire Network. I'm going to play an ad for them right now.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: And we are back. Thank you for your patience there, guys. Uh, listening to us live right now. We appreciate you. I'm Jeff Erickson. I'm here with Dr. Roto. You can see his work at dr. and on Twitter at Dr. Roto. Doc, tell me about your company a little bit more. Who do you got writing for you? Uh, what, what, what do you guys specialize in?
2: Well, I mean, we do everything. Mm-hmm. We really do. And I'm very lucky. So we we have a deep, deep roster. I can tell you that I got some of the guys who are best hockey guys out there. Uh, Tom Kicker and Mark Larson are amazing. Cool. We've got great uh, our college basketball guy. Mike Holland is sensational, right? Our DFS guys, Willie Walls and Odell Blocker and Chris Emmerich, sensational. Trevor Hillstrom just won $15,000 last week in DFS baseball. So, and then of course, did I, oh, did I forget fantasy football, Jeff? This is what we all do, right? So right. this is the, 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 uh, the mother of them all. So it's myself and Eric Romoff and Sam Holt and Maddie Kroll. We just have a really deep, talented roster of people who once again as i told you earlier we all it's a team we like each other we want to do great work we want to help people win and there's no egos it's just about you know being there for people being there for subscribers being there in our discord and you know i don't want to forget i mean there's new landers and tetramides there's so many people who have helped us get where we are today so it's been pretty exciting that's
1: very cool. I had Eric on the uh, football pod last year, uh, right around pros with Joe's time, so that was pretty cool. Uh, glad to see he's doing a lot with you guys. Uh, he's a great guy. So, uh, and I played against uh, Sam Holt. Um, so, very cool. Um, oh, yeah. That's great. Yeah, uh, I like that you play multiple sports as well. Talk multiple sports. Uh, you know, I, 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 there are times I'm jealous of people that are specialists and play just baseball or just football uh, because I think. I would be a better player if I focused on one sport, but I enjoy them all so much. I I love, I mean, just, I'm a sports geek. I mean, we're on this industry, we're all geeks, you know, and that's what we do. Uh, And I I just, I love being able to talk about any sport too.
2: Would we be on Sirius XM radio, fantasy sports radio, talking sports every day if we only did one sport? We'd only be on for a couple of months. That's right. right, especially with
1: baseball. Uh, the <laughs> way the you do up way. for two weeks with
2: baseball and then we kick you out. Yeah. So look, have I have I learned from running a site that football is, you know, it's Coke, right? And everything else is Pepsi and ginger ale and Shasta and White Rock. I get that. But look, my second favorite DFS sport is, is golf. I love the sweat of golf yep. every week. I love playing golf in real life, but I love it. So to me, I love ho- playing hockey and, ba- and baseball. So to me, there's just, it doesn't end. And I think... You know, look, we're dads, we have wives and kids, but we still figure out a way to win, so I think that's uh the best part. And now that my son is getting older, he's been in fantasy football leagues for the past couple of years, so nice, you know, he doesn't like when I get involved, but I can't not get involved, you know, yeah, exactly.
1: You'd love this. I'm a, I've been in a fantasy golf league for 22 years. Uh, we have a, it's an auction league, we do have 15 teams in it. We Buy nine players, start five every week. Free agent moves. Our only category is money. You know, it's only it's just uh, a yeah, cash. We have separate payouts for the majors, uh, and we have a team aspect that, to it, too. Uh, so we've we really geeked out over the years. And, you know, we had Prime Tiger. We had to separate him into Tiger April, Ta- Tiger March, et cetera. Uh, and auction him off separately because otherwise it was a race to say who would, who would say 92 first, yeah. um, uh, and so <laughs> one no, one everybody else.
2: Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, let me okay. know if you have a spot. I would definitely do that. I love it. Yeah. That.
1: We, we actually have like a list. We have a wait list. It's been so awesome, but, uh,
2: I'll, I'll throw you on there for
1: sure. Right. Uh, because it's great
2: question for you. And I just, this came up today when I was on, um, Fade the Noise. Mm-hmm. What would you do if you were Dustin Johnson and you were offered $125 million to play in the Saudi league? Would you play, or would you just stay with the PGA?
1: Well, here's the thing. Dustin Johnson probably already has 125 million of his own already. You know, trophy wife just got married. Uh, You know, he's got a pretty good life and you're talking about a career legacy, but I mean, it's a lot of money and that's just for year one. Uh, It's not like this is we're offering you this for the rest of your career. This is what you'd make this year. Right. And it's a challenge i would i would decline it but it's easy for me to decline money that's mythical money that's not mine because i want to compete in majors i want to have my you know i want to be known as a titan of the sport and he might not be allowed to play majors again he might not play a writer cup again
2: but let me ask you this and, and this, we, we, this was on the show they brought let steve young be in the nfl they let herschel walker come back dr jay yeah. was in the aba and came to the nba are we going to say no to Dustin Johnson? I mean, are they going to do that? It just seems to be a little harsh. I get that they don't want a mass exodus there. But I mean, we're we going to punish these guys forever.
1: Well, no, there's one element we're missing here in that comparison and is that it's funded by a authoritarian regime that murdered a journalist. And there's that aspect of it. Then they're trying to they're essentially laundering money. Um, so I think that's a difference. Uh Whereas like the USFL uh, or any other of these upstart, the AFL, if you want to go further back, uh, you know, that's it's didn't have that that sort of shady background, you know. So but then, then again, it's not like the, NFL, the all the cartel NFL's cartel money is clean. Sports channel
2: What's that? We can't be in a drug cartel fantasy sports radio. Then. Probably
1: not. Although, you know, I mean, the funny <laughs> thing is, you know, it's you college get that- to pay for job but I, I I will say this too, and you when you take that moralistic stance, then you really should take a microscope to everybody, right? I mean, it's it's not like all the PGA Tour's money is super duper clean either. I mean, let's let's face it, some of the, the sponsoring companies are probably have some shady business practices. Uh, you know, you could really dig into this if you really wanted to. The the, the purity test, I mean, it's on a scale. Now, all that said, yeah, this, the Saudis are prop are over that line, Um, right. But yeah, I get where they're coming from. I mean, the PGA Tour is a cartel of sorts of its own, you know, and the way they, they coordinate with the European Tour, where they coordinate with, uh, you know, the USGA. I mean, it, they're they're trying to prevent another upstart. I get that too, but we'll see. I mean, I, I think the players do have a point, though, that, you know, they're not guaranteed anything every year, you know, and they have to fight to stay on the Tour. Right. No one's Who crying for it? Dustin, exactly. right. but maybe some of the, some other golfers that are more, more on the marginal side of things, might have to fight for that, just a little bit. More. Richard Bland, who's, you know, he, he's not a guy that's a gazillionaire. He's, he's, no, he's never a, he's made a, it to right, the Masters.
2: Right, right. I was surprised to see Schwartzl and in, You know, they don't need to do that. I, I just, you know, it, it's just to me, it, it gave me thought too. I get the whole Saudi thing, but look, it's a lot of money. You want to feed your family. You don't have to worry. Like you said, this is just year one. There could be even more in year two. Who knows? But I don't think that PGA wants any competition, right? No, they don't want sure.
1: that competition. I'm sure that's a big aspect that to, to as well. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I'd agree with all that. Uh, it's interesting. It is fascinating to see uh, all that go down, you know, go down this week. Uh, we had just we do, I do I host our golf podcast, and of course it we finished recording maybe an hour before they announced the list. So I was like, couldn't <laughs> react to that. But you know, we have Jeff Ritter from SI and Scott Jensen, and I are on the pod and. Oh, cool. You know, we get dozens of listeners to our golf podcast, but it's okay. Uh, we're trying to build an audience with that. It's, it's it's fun. It's good stuff. Scott's really good at it. Jeff Ritter's obviously been connected in the golf industry for a very long time. He's re- really good. So it's a fun little podcast, and it's a half an hour every week. So we do that. Uh, my, but-
2: best, my best results in ZFS have been in football and in golf. Interesting. So, I mean, what can I tell you? It's just one of those things. And when, you're, when you get all six guys make the cut, that weekend is cool. Oh yeah. And especially if you got someone on, uh, you got a Sunday sweat.
1: Oh, it's a beautiful thing. So how did you get started? How did you get into the business?
2: Oh, well, it's very funny. So many years ago I started Roto RX, your prescription for fantasy success. Uh And uh, I was in a newscast and uh, you know, I thought it was going to go somewhere, but it ended up not going anywhere. So I kind of put it away that put the Dr. Roto away. And then I just, you know, worked in education and then I was in this fantasy baseball league that I pretty much won for like three years in a row. And in that league was a friend named Mike Cardano.
3: Yeah, he uh,
2: to Yeah, he uh, now he's with Sports Grid. And Mike goes, "Hey, buddy, you know you've won our baseball league for the last few years. Um, do you want to write for my blog site?" I said, "Well, I used to do this Doctor Roto, which was giving advice for people." And he goes, "That's the dumbest idea I've ever heard." Twenty four hours later, he calls me back. He goes, "You know what? Let's do it." And all of a sudden. I'm writing advice. You know, I'm answering people's questions, like a mailbag thing. And then maybe about six months later, I begged him to start a football blog. And we did. Then here's the great thing, Jeff. Who was Mike's son? Mike's son was playing in some baseball league. And who else had a son in that league but Lou who was the owner of Roto Experts. Yep. So Mike basically sells him our blog sites. And Dr. Roto and Mike Cardano come to Roto Experts. And he says, I'm going to get you on the radio. I go, really? He goes, yeah, you're going to meet, meet with Scott Engel and Adam Ronis if you're good. Maybe there's some segments. If not, then I get, you got your shot. And sure enough, I go up to Sirius XM in New York and, you know, have a um, couple of segments with Scott and Adam. And it was great. And then I just started working for them and won the um, FSWA uh, you know, Award for Newcomer of the Year. Here I was a 40-year-old Newcomer of the Year. Yeah. You know, so that's kind of crazy. And it just built from there. Now, do you still work in education at all, or is it? Are you full-time, Doctor Roto now? I, I I live the dream. I do both jobs, so I okay. still do uh, college guidance, and I still do ACT and SAT tutoring, and of course, I do Doctor Roto. And uh, I just get to say, like, I, I live my passions. I love helping people, both students, and I love people help, helping people with their teams.
1: So you have a daughter that's going to college next year. I have a high school junior and a high school freshman we're we actually are using a similar service for my junior uh you know helping her prep for the sat which she's taking on saturday Ooh. you know and you know the whole application process getting ready gear gearing up for that and it's it's a lot different than when you and i went to school
2: <laughs> it's totally different yeah. so i mean my daughter applied to 18 schools oh yeah and my son oh, yeah. is a uh, will be a junior next year and trust me he will be going through the sat and act and applying to probably 15 to 18 schools and it's dramatic because now that schools are test optional, well, more kids are applying than ever. So as opposed to, you know, usually when you had an SAT or an ACT, you kind of knew whether you fit in or not. Well, now you can apply there whether or not you have a test score. So all of a sudden, instead of a school having 15,000 applications, they have 35,000 applications. Wow, that's an un- is that an unintended consequence or do you think they designed totally it Totally intended. Way? It's called money. Yeah, because... Well, $80 an application at 35,000 applications.
1: Oh, yeah, and not to mention they get... You know, you get these like U.S. News and World Report rankings based on selectivity. Ooh, OK, well, we just rejected 95 percent of the pool right. instead of 90.
2: Right. Uh, so gross. Don't right. get me started it, on that. I mean, it is. It's brutal. So it's uh, but uh, you'll be happy to know my son is doing a program at your alma mater this summer. Oh, Northwestern. Really? Yeah. My nice. daughter did it for two years. My son's doing it this year. He's doing a sports business management program. So he's excited. Super. That's awesome. Yeah. I hope they have a great I hope he has a great time and your daughter enjoyed it. She loved it. She loved it. She went for two summers and, you know, we love Evanston's great. So Evanston's it was uh, amazing. I love and it. it was actually warm. So, yeah. that was, you know, we had a great time. No, that, that's fantastic. I
0: love
1: hearing that. Now, where's your daughter going to go to college in the fall? University of Richmond. Okay, great. That's super. Yeah. Um, that's nice great. small school. It was perfect for her. Yeah, that's fantastic. I, I, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it's very cool. Uh, you, you lived overseas when you were younger. Uh, young adult or as a student? When, when, when did you live overseas?
2: Well, let's see. I lived in France for a couple of months. I I did summer school in Denmark. Mm -hmm. I did a master's in Britain. I lived in Japan for a little bit. So I've been all over. Uh, Not so much with COVID. I feel that that, of course, has changed everything in this world. But, you know, I want my kids to explore the world. I want them to see it. I want them to travel when they go to college. I mean, I think doing whether it's a a summer semester abroad or a semester abroad is non-negotiable. I think we live in a world that, you know, especially with Zoom. You could talk to people who are in Japan right now or Australia. So I think the world is getting smaller. You know, they are learning. You know, they take languages in school. I think it's critical. So you know, we can't be provincial. We've got to be out there learning about other people and other cultures.
1: One of my biggest regrets in life is I had a chance to spend a summer in Rome in law school uh, after my one L year. And I, I, I said, no, you know, I don't want to take out another loan. I have to search for an apartment. I can't afford it. Really. I don't have a great summer job. I need to make some money. Ugh, what an yeah. idiot. I mean, Rome, you know, know, for a whole, for a whole summer when you don't have obligations. Ugh, can totally I tell you something? That.
2: My daughter at university of Richmond, they've got this program where kids can get up to $5,000 in a summer if they uh, if they get a job that doesn't pay because they don't want kids not to take internships or not to have opportunities because they, they don't have them. They can't. afford right. to. So there's like a five thousand dollar pool for each child that they can get to do those things that they couldn't normally do because they weren't getting paid for it. I was like, that's one of the coolest things I've ever heard. It really was one of the game changers of why she chose to go there. That's awesome. Uh,
1: that is a fantastic program. More schools should do that. And how, how much, how much you want to bet though, that many, many, many schools do something like that or similar that we just don't learn about. You know, it, it, there's so many programs that you don't avail yourself to. I, I feel like I'm certainly uh, like that. I w- There's things I wish I did differently in college and in law school that, you know, didn't avail myself to that. But you know what? Things also happen for a reason. I'm sitting in this chair right now
2: because of that. I'm going to give you my biggest regret. And you will appreciate this more than anybody. So in college, I was a student body president. And uh, one of the people on the board of visitors at my school was a lady named Janet Hill. Janet Hill was the uh, college roommate of Hillary Clinton. And she was married to a guy named Calvin Hill. And she had a son whose name is Grant Hill. So (laughs) um, pretty connected lady, right? Yeah. So she says to me, she goes, um, she didn't call me Doc. She called me Mark, which nobody does except my wife and my parents. So she said, What are you doing after graduation? I said, I want to be working with your husband. Well, Calvin Hill was the assistant general manager for the Baltimore Orioles at the time. She opens up her pocketbook. She goes in. She gives me his business card. She said, give him a call. I never called him. Oh, no. It is my greatest regret. I went to law school instead. I don't know what I was thinking. I guess I was thinking I didn't want to live on a couch making no money. Right. I didn't see that. But To this day, I wish I had called him. Who knows where that had led? Right. Maybe I would have been uh, in baseball or in some organization being a general manager or something. Yeah. I had no idea you were a recovering attorney as well. Oh, I practiced for like two years and then quit. And uh, I always say to kids, I have found my passion. And I said, I went into teaching for the pay raise, which is totally not true. Uh But uh, look, we're living our dream, right? We get to talk sports every day. Yeah. We get to help people. I get to, you know, most of my friends, to be quite honest with you, are. In this industry, or people I've met through this industry, some wonderful people. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Not for the world. Oh yeah, it's it's a surreal career life I've had. That I've been doing this for twenty years full time. It's
1: crazy, Uh, and I don't regret a second of it. Um, That that part, you know, like there are things I wish I would have done, but at the same time, those would have had consequences. I was able to take a chance in life, in part because I didn't have like a full time practice. I didn't wasn't making big bucks in a big firm or anything like that. I. I got through law school. I, I passed. I was fine, but I didn't excel. And I found myself not applying for jobs in industries. Like, why? Oh, I don't like it. You know, I could have done something I want to do, like tax law or estate planning. I could have interned at the IRS. I didn't because there was some reason I didn't. I wasn't driven enough to try. And thank God I didn't. You know, it's,
2: uh, you know, because here I am today doing what I love for a living. I'll give you a very funny story. So I was a summer associate at a big firm. Mm-hmm. And they take all these partner lawyers and take you to lunch. So, one of my very last days of the summer, a couple of guys take me to lunch. So we get there and they go, "Look, we really like you, and we want to let you in on something." I said, "I'm like, what? What's going on?" They go, "Don't work here. We're all miserable." And I was like, really? You took me out to lunch at this really nice swanky place to tell me not to work here. I thought I was getting pumped. I literally thought I was getting pumped. Right. But they were like, no, no, we're serious. We don't see our families. We're not happy. We all would want to get out. We all don't want to be here. And we're telling you, we like you. They go, we like you. Please don't come. And I know that sounds like a joke, but I think they were truly serious. And I took them seriously because I saw they weren't really happy. I worked for like a year and a half at a different place. It was a smaller place. And I wasn't happy. And then when I told my parents what I was going to do, and I literally went to my old high school and I spoke to the you know headmaster there and I said, I just want to teach. And he literally paid me, Jeff, if I told you I couldn't even afford the meatballs and the SpaghettiOs, that's how little he paid me. But it didn't yeah. matter. Yeah. And
1: I lived on mac and cheese and spaghetti and all that for a couple of years. And, you know it came out well in the end. Uh I'm not missing meals now, so yeah, yeah. uh it's good. Cut like, carbs a little bit, but yeah, a little bit. Yeah, you know, I could eat m- more salads probably, but uh it's all good. Uh let's get substantive again here. Uh there's some news, uh unfortunately some bad news. Grayson Rodriguez has a lat strain. We're not going to see him get the call for those Orioles. If you were the GM there, you would have to get the bad news personally there, but uh No, I was looking forward. He was close. He was really close to getting the call and then got hurt yesterday. They confirmed a lat strain today. That's what Freddie Peralta has. It's not looking good.
2: I really believe that guys are so strong. They're stronger than ever. Right. It's not John Kruk. Remember John Crook, The guy would have six years go up there and he gets whatever. Now these guys are so physically fit. I think they're almost too tight. Right. So when they get up there, they're they're so muscled that I think they're pulling things. It's like, you know, the old oblique three weeks, you know, now pitchers are getting lat strains. And you don't want to see that in any of these guys because you're probably looking four to six weeks. And then, when trust me, when you're coming back, it takes you another couple of weeks to get back into it. So you could be looking at six to eight weeks. This guy was so close to coming up. The Orioles desperately need him. Mm-hmm. You know, look, the the Orioles hitting is not terrible. It's the pitching that's terrible. They need some guys in there. So it's, you know, I feel like that team is snake bit. And, you know, when we were younger, they were good. And it feels like it's been a while since the Orioles have been really competitive. Yeah, uh, since basically since they didn't use their
1: use the closer they, uh, in in that playoff against the Jays, uh, basically since then you can kind of break it down since then. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean they I, they've got a loaded farm system for the first time in a while, and they're starting to see some of the fruits of that. Braddish is up. Uh, DL Hall is coming up eventually. R- Rodriguez is delayed now. Obviously, Adley Rushman's up. Rushman struggled a little bit so far. Uh, I'm not surprised by that, and I'm not worried
2: about that. No, I, I think he'll be fine. Let me ask you this though. I think we we inflate catchers. Matt Wieters was the next great catcher. Was he that great? If I but if I told you Adley Rushman hit twenty home runs and eighty RBIs for the rest of his career, would that be a, would that be a success or a failure? That'd be a success
1: for sure, right. Right. especially if he stayed behind the plate. I mean, I think so often you see these guys that show any sense of promise, they move them out from behind the plate a little bit more here and there. You know, I hope Will Smith carries on. I mean, it's very rare to see a guy that, you know, can do that from the get-go and stay in that position for a long time.
2: I mean, the, the, the chores of the job really wear on you. It's very hard. So, you know, once again, with John Moscott, you know, I ask him a lot of questions almost as a fan because I want to find out what major leaguers are really doing. And he'll say that a catcher has the harsh job by far because Easy. they are working, they're watching the film, they're talking to the pitchers, they're prepping, and then they have to worry about hitting on top of that I mean, they are the busiest guys by far, and it's it's just not easy. So, you know, you, you see why guys like a Joe Maurer, how can he be a great hitter and a great catcher? So at some point, they just decide, you know, it's like a pathway. Which way are you going to go?
1: And you get it. T- they take longer to develop before they start to become a better hitter. Uh, Yachty is a great example of that. Um, he had the defense down pretty early. Uh, it took them a really long time to be able to hit for any sort, sort of power or average. Um, and can you maintain? Can you stay healthy? Uh, Frank makes a good point. I was actually going to do the comp this comp because catchers like tight end, a lot to learn for a rookie. they you know, that's that's why you rarely see the, the big breakout tight ends because they're blocking and they're receiving the running routes at, at full speed, they're coming from a three point stance, they're, they're doing a lot of things, unless you're Kyle Pitts, unless you're Mike Kosicki, and you're never blocking anymore. You know, you
2: just don't get to see that. Totally true, right? I mean, Pitts, did he block at all last year? So, and now what they have, there's blocking tight ends, there's receiving tight ends. Yep. How many guys do both? And teams don't even have guys who do both anymore. I mean, look what the Ravens have. They've got four different tight ends there. So, right. it's, it's a little crazy, but it, it's the way, and I think catchers, we're going to see, like in the old days, what was it, 28 to 30 when those guys finally matured? Yep. It's late. And, you know, the patience of teams to nurture that
1: is getting shorter, too. I mean, there, there's, there's greater demands. There's the next guy coming up. But, yeah, we seem like we definitely have a catcher shortage. You know, it's always the one weaker position. So, yeah, I, 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 I hope Rushman can be exceptional and defy that. But, yeah, I do worry about that a little bit there.
2: I think I look at teams and say, look, maybe Joe Madden when he was with the Rays, had it the best. You know, you get your Christian Vasquez types. You get your guys who you know you get guys who hit one and hit the other. You put them together, and that's what you have, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe guys are playing four days. Some guys are playing two or three. It's not Mike Piazza. It's not Joe Mauer. It's not the catchers that we call him Fisk. But it's the way the, the baseball is now.
1: Yeah, it just shows what you know anomalies at uh, Piazza and Pudge Rodriguez really were, uh, especially Pudge Rodriguez because he was so good behind the plate too. So good. Yeah. So uh, it just shows that how special, truly exceptional they really were. Hey, the Phillies were expected to contend this year and they are not. This is not a recording, uh, but they're 22 and 29. They got bad news from Gene Segura out 10 to 12 weeks. If you're in an NFPC format, he's a cut, I think, is I just you're getting him for what, six weeks. Uh, And what are you getting also for that matter, too? I mean, he's a good player, a solid player, but not worth
2: holding on to in a seven man bench league. No, is the guy the guy that you want from April. You don't want him in uh, for the last two months. I mean, maybe if he's out there, if I'm desperate, but I'm with you. I have no interest. I think the problem with the Phillies has always been the pitching, right? The mm-hmm. pitching has been good, never great. The hitting is good, never great. I mean, I think they're in a very tough division now because the Mets are spending money, a mm-hmm. lot of money. And I mean, I know that they've got some injured pitchers, but the Mets look pretty darn good. The Braves are always good, right? The Braves always figure out a way to to get it done. So, I mean, where do the Phillies slot in? Are they just, you know, the Toronto Blue Jays of the National League East? And that's okay, but are you going to win a World Series? Maybe, maybe not.
1: Well, I think they'd aspire to be the Jays right now. Um, You know, and their defense is hideous too, especially with Harper. You know, Harper didn't even play Wednesday. He had forearm soreness. I'm worried about that because he's already had the PRP. Uh, he missed more time than they expected. Even when he did that, they were saying he was going to miss two games. He missed four. Uh, When he came back, he wasn't quite the same hitter as, he, and it's a shame because he was on fire before that too, but he can't play the field. So that means Schwarber's in the field. Castellanos is in the field. Hoskins is in the field. Alec Bohm, who's actually gotten a little bit better over at third, but still, he's not a plus defender. I mean, it's just, it's, a, it's just an awful defense when DD is out there, he can't throw, but he's even hurt right now. Now you lost Segura. Oh, just, awful defense.
2: Are you going to win games 10-8? Is that how you expect to win in baseball? I don't think that's the, a reasonable expectation. Right? It never works for teams. You have to be able to play good defense. Right. And not I mean it's just it's not a winning recipe. So I don't know what how they fix it. I mean, I didn't mind getting Castellanos. The guy's a great hitter. I, I don't mind getting shorter strikes out a lot, but I mean he's got power. I get that they have a small park that they think they can take advantage of, but you need guys who can field yeah, and they're they're not strong up the middle. Herrera is he's a
1: fine center fielder. He's not a plus center fielder. You are strong behind the plate. Realmuto is awesome. No, nothing nothing wrong with him. He's not hitting like he we expected. He's got hitting better lately, but you know it's you just they don't have exceptional defense up the middle. Stott hasn't even been that good defensively when he's played. Got sent back down. Uh, I don't know. And then then their bullpen's been a mess, too. You know, it's. A, I thought that was hilarious that Joe Girardi was going to be the adult in the room after Kapler got fired. You know, he'll know how to handle that bullpen. Yeah, right. Maybe it wasn't Kapler after all.
2: You know, Joe Girardi, I like Kapler. I like Girardi. I, I mean, I think that Joe's proven he's done a good job in the past. But sometimes even the best managers can't work with, you know, without What's the word I'm looking for? You got to have the right clay, right? To make the right molding. (laughs) This clay is damaged. It's something, it's broken. It's just not congealing the way they want it to.
1: No, it isn't. It it really isn't. By the way, I picked up Sir Anthony Dominguez in a couple of leagues because I think that, you know, Corey Knable might not hold the job much longer.
2: Did did you ever think he was going to hold a job for the whole year?
1: I thought there was a chance. I kind of liked him. I thought that he had some decent skills. I thought it was health was his concern. I thought if if healthy, he could be all right. But I always missed him. I, I thought he was like, and say in a 15-team mixer, I wanted to get him in the 12th round, but he kept on going in the 8th or ninth, And right. yeah, you know, I just
2: wasn't willing to do that. So. I think you stick to your guns. You know What you said was right. So once I saw him going, I knew I was getting David Bednar in every draft. Exactly. I, you got. It, cool. I was my guy and I knew it. I was going to get him about round 10 or t- 10 or 11. And he was my guy because I wasn't going to go and get Naval, uh two rounds earlier when I didn't think he was worth it. I wish I had more Bednar. I was a little worried that
1: Stratton would take some saves from him because of the way they managed the bullpen last year. But uh, I was I was dead wrong about that. Stratton's been he's better lately, but he was hideous early on. He took a he did steal
2: a save or two, but Bednar is just the man. He's so good. You know what I've learned from football, especially more than baseball, because baseball has some reasons why it doesn't happen. In football, talent generally wins out. Do you remember when Alvin Kamara was the third string running back? And all of a sudden, by like week six, he was starting. Why? Because if you watched Alvin Kamara play, he was the best running back on the Saints. I feel like that doesn't always happen in baseball, that it takes time for this guy to emerge, maybe even a year. But sometimes I just buy into skills. I buy into talent. And so did I like Stratton? No, I took Stratton only in like round 28 or 30 of draft and holds when I already had Bednar because I was forced to take him, not because I wanted him.
1: Yeah. Uh, and that makes sense. I get that. Um, and you're right about the skills. You know, I, I think sometimes though, it, it football drives me crazy, cause sometimes a guy will be a transparently awesome player, but he doesn't get the goal line carries or something like that. And, uh, you know, baseball it's pitcher versus batter. If you get the playing time, you're going to get the role at that right. except for, except for closing. That's the one thing that, uh, is so role dependent, but, uh, you're, you're right about that. Um, one other, th- uh, one other team I want to talk about a little bit was the Marlins. So uh, stick with the Florida theme since you're down there a little bit. Uh, we saw a heck of a 2022 debut from Edward Cabrera yesterday. Uh, or, yeah, yesterday against the uh, Rockies. Took a no-header into the six. Threw a 96-mile-an-hour changeup. Uh, speaking of guys that are getting all this torque and throwing harder than ever, he's looking pretty good. But I always worry about these guys that throw so hard and how, you know, whether they're going to break. And I I feel, I I worry about him
2: that way. And we've seen that with the Marlins already. Yeah. So look, I coached, I played volleyball in college and I coached high school volleyball for years. And I always think that girls, when they hit so many times, there are only so many hits you have in your shoulder. right? Right. And at some point, they're there they blow their shoulder out or they just aren't hitting the way they want to be i feel that way about pitchers too i know that's crazy from girls volleyball to pitching but when guy when they're throwing it a hundred miles an hour how many pitches can you throw at that velocity before it affects your arm i mm-hmm. mean this is just physics this is just bodies at some point you can't withstand that so i think what it is and here's the problem jeff i think the bigger problem is the high school and college coaches, and the minor leagues, if you're not throwing at 96, the guys who throw at 91 and 92, what do they say? He's a soft tosser.
1: I know. It's insane. It's insane. insane.
2: You 92 miles an hour. You're not a soft tosser by any means.
1: Yeah. I got your soft tosser right here with my left-handed 62 mile an hour fastball, and the oh, Mario God, Soto God. circle change uh, from the left-handed version at 49. There, that, that was me growing up. But uh, right, so when a
2: guy doesn't throw 97 now on the radar gun, he's not a he's not a good enough pitcher. Well, then the guy throws 99 to impress people, and now you're cutting his years from nine yeah. to ten years to four to five years because he's injured. It just doesn't make sense. Right, I guess. When did Greg Maddox ever throw hard? Yeah, I, I'll,
1: the story with that just to finish tie that up. Uh, first pitch Arizona, and we go there every year for that conference. And there's the Fall Stars game. This is about four years ago, probably. The pitching matchup was Nate Pearson versus Forrest Whitley. We're in the front row because that's the one of the beautiful things about the fall. You get there early enough, you can get sit among the scouts. It's crazy. Um, Pearson's hitting one hundred one, one hundred two. We're like. Oh, that's a hot gun. That's a hot gun. And Monty Harrison, who's on the on deck circle, turns around and goes, no, that's a real 101. Uh, and then he proceeds to K. So Whitley, who's the bigger prospect, right? Pearson's, you know, prospect, pretty good, pro- really good prospect. But Whitley's like here as far as that goes as tr- in terms of like reputation. But he usually throw he's usually working about 96, 97, only 96, 97. He sees this and he is Amped up. He's throwing as hard as possible. He's hitting 99, 100. Sure enough, next year he gets hurt. He's got an arm problem. And I guarantee you that little experience right there, where all the scouts are there, they're ooing and eyeing over that. You know, they're, they're trying to keep up and it's just not smart. I mean, especially you're trying to do it then and there. If you, with the proper coaching, maybe, I mean, I think driveline does some really awesome stuff. I don't want to make this like a, a platform to go against these camps that do that because I think they do some good stuff and they can teach you to do it in a way that protects yourself. But sometimes you try to make these adjustments on the fly. You max effort like that. Yeah, this is this
2: is what happens. Look, I, I'll go back to it. Did Greg Maddox throw at 95? Did Tom Glavin? Was he a hard thrower? Smoltz was, but I'm looking at some of the guys that I think of. They were great pitchers. Steve Kroll was a great pitcher. I don't remember him throwing 99. You know, no. Nova line through ninety nine, but I'm just thinking about guys in the past. We did. Why didn't we appreciate them more? Now it's just about the bigger, stronger guy. I'm throwing hard. Look, it gets. It doesn't get you what you think. it What, it, what the teams think it gets them it just right. doesn't and, work that way. No,
1: and ninety one is still pretty damn hard. That's the thing too. As yeah,
2: so uh, unless it's like McClanahan, who's so effortless, oh, right? So his so motion fast, is then. so good. That's different.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Right. Uh, so yeah um I, I think that's uh yeah i it, you know we got a question about cabrera is he a good pickup yeah even with the control issues uh, yeah take a shot take a flyer on him um i think you know and among all those pitchers that are coming up right now he's right there i mean the ability to miss bats is still huge in this game there is a correlation between velocity and results there's also that correlation between velocity and injury to incidents of injury too unfortunately
2: Absolutely. But I think you, you look at this point, you want to pick up a pitcher who can make a difference. He's a difference maker. Got to yep. take the risk. Look, nobody remembers who came in third place in your league last year. So you got to go for first. Right. Yeah. I, I, I'm i going to go play tennis tonight. I
1: always like to say life is short. Hit winners. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, go go pick that guy up. It's a be a backboard. You know, go out and go out and take a shot. Absolutely. Hey, Doc, uh, this has been super fun. I can't believe this just flew by. I can't believe it's been like 50 minutes already. But uh, we got to do this again sometime. Let's talk you on each other's shows, too. It, it's, it's super fun talking with you. I would love that.
2: Anytime. It's been my pleasure.
1: All right. Hey, want to thank everybody for tuning in today. We had a lot of fun. Again, go check out DrRoto.com. Follow him on Twitter at DrRoto. Tomorrow, two-star starters. Got Todd Zola and Clay Link. As always, thank you so much, guys. Really appreciate you listening. Take care.